0: Hello, White Sox fans, it is Crystal O'Keefe with episode 13 of Visiting Dugout, brought to you by the Southside Sox, a part of Fans First Sports Network. Today on the show, I have Andy Brown, he's here to talk about all things Houston Astros are, you know, good friends and foes, depending on the day. So hello, Andy, please introduce yourself.
1: Hi. Uh, Well, it's really nice to meet you and speak with everyone who's listening. I actually live in Chicago. I've lived here for almost 10 years. Um, But I grew up in Austin, Texas, so I've been an Astros fan for basically my whole life. Um, And yeah, just looking forward to talking about the series and the season in general.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, let's get started. So the Astros are 17 and 17 just kind of tied with the Mariners three and a half games back as we're recording so <laughs> what is going on in Houston right now is there a problem or is this kind of just okay normal no issues
1: uh it's a little bit of both it's it's a little early in the season to make any snap judgments which I think the the spoiled Astros fan base would is is like having some trouble understanding Um, this team starts pretty slow every year. Um, Another thing to keep in mind is that this team has not had the contributions of Jose Altuve yet. He's been rehabbing a broken thumb. Um, Michael Brantley has been recovering from a shoulder surgery since last June Um, and Chaz McCormick, who was really just a bench piece last year, but now is a huge part of the lineup has been on the injured list for like the better part of a month. Um, The second two of those guys are coming back um, in the Angels series this week, as we're speaking on Monday. So you can probably expect to see them in the White Sox series um, this weekend. But the fact of the matter is when you're running out, you know, a third of your lineup that was spending most of the season in AAA last year, um, you're going to have some feast or famine moments. Um, You know, they're 10 and eight in their last 18 games, which I'm not sure a lot of people realize. Um, The first nine of those games were seven wins against the Blue Jays, Uh, Braves and Rays which is great and then the next nine games have been three wins and six losses against the Phillies Giants and Mariners so you know if you took those six teams and said you're playing 18 games and you win 10 of them most people would probably say okay that's fine but the fact that the team went seven and two and looked like they were kind of back where they where they should be should be with this roster um, and then kind of took a step back over the last three series has people a little bit concerned but I just I think it's a little early to pass judgments with the guys who are in the lineup right now. And I say that with no offense to Corey Jolks or Jake Myers or David Hensley or Yiner Diaz or all these guys who were Sugarland Space Cowboys last year. And some of them have shown flashes of promise. But when you only have two real bona fide all-star hitters in the lineup that are hitting like it, and we can talk about that later, um, mm-hmm. and Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez... When they're not hitting and the rest of the lineup isn't hitting, then no one's hitting. And that's really the big issue here. Um, so I hope that answers the question.
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so you mentioned Altuve. Is there, you know, I've heard that he's going to, might, might be ahead of schedule. He's been at least kind of batting at the park. Is there a timetable, at least that you've heard of? Uh,
1: I'm not an insider, but he did just break his thumb. And I, again, I'm not a Major League Baseball player, but. <laughs> Thumbs and fingers tend to heal faster than people yeah. realize. Um, I think he's probably dealing with some pain, but the fact that he was hitting homers in batting practice two days ago was like big news for everyone online. Um, I mean, I'm sure again, you know, it's tough to grip a bat and hit 95 mile an hour fastballs different than BP, but um, the hope when he was first injured with that was that he would be back by June. Mm-hmm. And now people think that he might be back um you know, sometime in May. Um, I, it's hard to say really. I mean, the rehab timelines in this organization and basically all organizations are kind of weird, you know, yeah. they say you have to ramp up and then there's like two days of silence and then there's like more ramp up and, you know, it underscores how difficult it is to play major league baseball and how in shape your body has to be. Like, I'm sure he could go play tonight, but then he might not be physically ready the next day. Um, so he's the one, you know, everyone's kind of hoping he comes back soon. But Brantley and McCormick are the ones that are more immediately coming back. So you should see them uh, this week in Anaheim. And they're going to help a lot, I think.
0: That's good. Yeah, these injuries have been just wild this season because yeah. Bryce Harper is back already. I just saw a video earlier of Edwin Diaz on like a, a cycle. Like, yeah, was, I'm just like, what, how you guys are superhuman. Yeah. And then I also saw Luis Garcia needing Tommy John surgery. So going forward, how does that kind of affect your rotation?
1: Uh, that's that's the big problem, but it's interesting because the, the player development staff, the Astro, or not even staff, just that part of the organization, just continually just trots out these guys that seem to perform. Luis Garcia was one of them uh, two mm-hmm. or three years ago that wasn't really a heralded prospect and came up and then has become uh, just a cornerstone of the rotation. It's super unfortunate that he hurt his arm. We can theorize all different reasons that he got rid of the rock and the baby motion, thanks to the pitch clock. Dusty Baker made kind of like a weird reference to the WBC. I don't like know if it's any of that. I think he's probably just in his mid twenties and a major league baseball player. Um, but it hurts. I mean, it's it's tough. It would hurt less if Jose Arquidi was not also hurt um uh, mm-hmm. they actually got hurt on back-to-back days so that was not ideal. Uh the good news is is that the Astros had too many pitchers to start the season. So now they're kind of in a roster crunch where they're having to rush guys up. Um JP France, who I believe is going to pitch in the White Sox series, mm-hmm. uh made his debut on Saturday and he looked really bad for the first few hitters and then he ended up throwing uh, five shutout innings. So I mean, That is what gets you in the rotation at this point um, with the the Astros have. So he, I'm just kind of did some mental math. I think he's going to start Friday. Um, And I mean, Hunter Brown, Framber Valdez, and Christian Javier. Those are three guys that the Astros are really hoping on, hoping can stay healthy. Um, Hunter Brown is the only one that I think people are maybe concerned about just because he's young. He's going to have more innings on him this year. But Javier and Valdez have been, you know, I mean, everyone's seen them pitch in the postseason. They know what they can do. Um, but yeah, they're, they're undermanned right now. And the hope is that Lance McCullers can come back and help mm-hmm. with that, but, uh, he is always hurt. So,
0: um,
1: <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the same thing every year. And I don't say that as a knock on him. Cause I know that it, like, it's nothing he can do. It's just, he throws very, very violent sliders that have a lot of, um, strain on his elbow, but, um, they're going to need him back at some point. Um, if they want to make the playoffs, I think, and if that, you know, if that's June, okay. But I think, like as it, as it gets closer to July, if he's not coming back, I think it will really kind of they're really going to start to feel the pressure of okay, we need to go get a guy on the trade deadline.
0: Yeah, I get that as a team that is constantly injured. I mean, right now, yes, <laughs> man, I just had his appendix removed.
1: Yes, Cincinnati.
0: Um, uh, so that was I was there that night, and I was like, well, oh, what's his hospital? I'll go. I'll give him my appendix if he needs it.
1: Um,
0: But yeah, so speaking of, this is White Sox adjacent, obviously, (laughs) I was just looking, um, Jose Abreu right now is the worst hitter in 2023 according to the, you know, weighted rate, (laughs) rated runs, created plus um, at 130 plate appearances or under. Um, Yeah, he only owns a 48 wrc plus mm-hmm. his slashing is not looking good he's not had a single home run and you know as white Sox fans we always joked like just wait until it warms up everybody's right. gonna be terrible in april right. um but even then he was he was a little bit better than this like i was reading that they might just bench him because that's how bad he's been yeah So and I know I read something about maybe it's just kind of his stance or the way he's hitting. It's like a mechanical thing, but I'm just wondering how you guys are feeling about that since he, you know, has been MVP and all that.
1: Right. Um, there's definitely some, I mean, like everyone has seen the numbers with him in April and like, I mean, I I'm sure that when he played here that the weather was a a factor. Mm -hmm. Um, now that's not the case. Um, so I don't know what that's about. I mean, he, he looks, you know, he hit a double yesterday and I know that's like, Oh great. But he, (laughs) every now and then he looks like he's him, his old self. Um, the power is just really not there and he's not seeing the ball well. Mm -hmm. Um, it's clear that he's like really not picking up where it's going. Um, and I've, watched the White Sox for a while and like I've seen him when he struck and I know it can look bad um, because he puts so much effort into every swing but like it seems like he's kind of like picking up the ball a little bit late Um, and I'm sure I'm positive that they are looking at every possible way to try to fix this but I almost think like he needs new glasses or contacts (laughs) like it's like it's it's like there's a depth perception issue like it's like he's not picking up the fastball when he needs to, um, he's not getting in front of it. Like he's typically, you know, the whole hype around this signing was that, you know, he's a pole hitter. He can hit mm-hmm. home runs in the Crawford boxes. And outside of like one ball that he kind of hit off the wall early in the season, like second or third series, he hasn't really gone that way. He hasn't really done much of anything, you know, in the air towards the outfield. So, uh, you know, it's a three year contract. He was signed during the gap between the firing of James Click or the contract termination of James Click uh, and the hiring of Dana Brown when the organization was kind of on, uh, not autopilot, but being run by the owner. Um, and I, that's not to say it was, it is already going to prove to be a bad signing, but it does, you know, all these things kind of point to was the due diligence being done I don't know. Um, I mean, they need him to turn around, turn it around. But the fact that Michael Brantley is um, getting reps at first base in AAA during his rehab assignment is certainly kind of telling. Um, but he, I mean, he can't really play anywhere else. So I don't know what what the plan is there. I mean, you know, Alex Bregman's hitting even worse, and they have no plans to get rid of him. So I mean, I think it could be a it's a, it's a a whole bunch of things that are contributing to this. Um, but, you know, one thing I think about is when Francisco Lindor went to the Mets and he was horrible for basically the whole year, um, or, you know, Nick Castellanos last year, first year with the Phillies until the very end of the season, something about it, something about playing for a new team. He's probably pressing because he realizes that there's a lot of pressure on him with, you know, certain guys out and he's, you know, a cleanup hitter for this team that just won the world series. And, you know, I don't know. All of these things are contributing to what's going wrong there. But I think, you know, the concern flag is like at half mast, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then if it's it's still this bad in like June, then it will be raised all the way.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, he, he spent nearly 10 years on the White Sox. So I think right. it is kind of a, a really big jump.
1: Yeah. Um, especially definitely. going
0: against, you know, the team that we never there's always like some kind of weird vendetta i think since 2005 it's like a, <laughs> like a bloodbath between these two teams they yeah, play each other
1: funny. there's definitely a weird energy every time they play i can't put my finger on it but i mean i've been in the ballpark uh the last two years when they've come here um it's interesting it's an interesting vibe
0: yeah <laughs> that's fun i mean it's a crazy i I don't care as much, but yeah, there are some fans that are just yeah
1: vicious yeah. when
0: it comes 2021, to 2021. I will
1: say, as as a visiting fan, 2021 was a lot rougher than 2022. Um, didn't really hear it as much in 2022. I think it was kind of the the vitriol was a little bit fresher for everyone. Also, the mm-hmm. talks were frankly better in 2021, so there was like more of a combative spirit in the ballpark. Um, <laughs> But yeah, should be fun. Unfortunately, I can't go though because I'll be traveling. But oh, yeah, yeah next year though.
0: Yeah. So with this season, you know, you said you're not super concerned with their start so far, but where do you see the Astros sitting, kind of mid-season, and then again, you know, as we get through September?
1: Yeah, um, you know, it's an interesting question because on one hand the track record is really hard to argue against. I mean, they kind of have this middling start every year and then you look up in July and August and they're up by 16 games and they're just kind of cruising towards the playoffs. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen this year and it's not because I don't think they're capable of doing that. It's just because the, the middling start has lasted a little bit longer than it typically does. Um, So you're just kind of be kind of fighting the, you know, the bare bones numbers of having more losses on your, on your record. Um, I mean, I expect them to compete for the AL West again. I do think the Rangers are much improved. Um, You know, who's to say if that will continue. I I don't think the Mariners are going to be as good as they were last year. They seem more flawed somehow. Um, The angels, who knows? Um, The A's are not a problem, Um, but you know, it's, it's hard to say. I think, I think what this, this is probably, this reminds me a lot of the 2021 team, which was talented, but kind of also dealt with injuries and ended up with 95 wins and won the division. Um, something like that could happen. They could also, you know, scuffle for a little bit longer and then be in the thick of the wild card hunt. I think that is totally possible at this point. It just kind of depends on what, contributions they're getting from these guys who are coming back from the injured list. If Brantley comes back and he's not Michael Brantley and Jose Altuve struggles to get it going and Abreu is what he's doing now and Bregman continues to struggle, then yeah, they're going to have trouble making the playoffs. Um, But Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez are very, very good. Um, I think we've kind of seen during stretches like that three and six one that I mentioned, like how they can sort of keep you afloat, even if your team isn't playing well, just because they're that good. So the good news is, is I don't think you're going to see a lot of long losing streaks, but it also may be hard to string together a bunch of winning streaks um, until you have the guys performing the way they need to. Um, and with the pitching depth being tested, you know, who knows? Um, but I have, they've earned the benefit of the doubt certainly from me, but yeah. <laughs> also from this very, very uh, bloodthirsty fan base that seems to live and die. I mean, and die with every game, too. But you have to see the bigger picture of this. This team does this every year, they like, mm-hmm. not like it's their first rodeo here. Um, baseball is a very long season, all the cliches. Um, so we'll see. It could go anywhere from I don't think they're going to win 100 games just because of the start, but it could go anywhere yeah. from 95 wins, winning the AOS to maybe they have to scratch and claw for 87, and maybe that's good enough for the wild card. We'll see.
0: Yeah, so with this. This is another kind of question I had with the whole pitching thing. Do you think Justin Verlander leaving kind of really? And I mean, because you don't have as much depth right now in that. So, how did you feel with him leaving, and kind of the effect that had on the team?
1: Um, you know, I don't think a lot of people expected him to stay. I think he kind of felt like he had done his piece there. Uh, he had. You know, he got that World Series win off his back, like personal win off his back. He was able to go there, you know, four times, no, three times because he didn't play in 2021. Um, so, you know, I, it, it definitely, it's not good when the AL Cy Young winner leaves your team. Um, but, you know, pre the injuries to Garcia and Arquiti, you um, you know, I think Astros fans are still pre- feeling pretty good about the rotation. And I, and I, I honestly, I still am. I, the top three are, are so good. Um, Hunter Brown is, is a name that people, more people need to know. I mean, he throws upper 90s, got a slider in the low 90s, and they both look the same. So, you know, everyone likes to say that Hunter Brown is just a, a copy of Justin Verlander. He's, he's not. He's kind of like a copy of like an old school closer who happens to be a starter. Um, whereas Verlander kind of like your old school starter, who is a starter, um, you know, I mean, obviously the depth has been tested. I mean, no one could have foreseen back-to-back injuries like the way that, you know, but Arkady is going to come back. Um, it seems like the shoulder injury is just kind of like an overuse thing, something that can be rehabbed away, not something that requires surgery. Um, I mean, there are definitely depth concerns based on the, you know, the injuries that I mentioned and McCullers, but Um, yeah, I mean, initially to answer the question, it wasn't like, oh no, this rotation is going to be in big trouble. It was okay. Well, frame Valdez is going to have to be an ace. And thus far he has been, I mean, he, I don't think he, I, I don't know if anyone's keeping track of this, but he, I still don't think he's not thrown a quality start since like April of last year. Like every start is a quality start, um, six innings, three runs or less. So, um, that's basically what Verlander gave you. If I mean, Framberg was honestly better than Verlander in a lot of metrics last year. So um, yeah. And Christian Javier was just signed to an extension. So it's definitely like rich people problems, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes with these injuries.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I was just looking at Hunter Brown stats. Cause I've, I've seen him pitch a few times and I didn't realize. I mean, he's, he's pitched a little over 34 innings with, 36 strikeouts it's like a strikeout per inning at that yeah. point so yeah he's he looks he looks really good and he's got a really low era at 260s yeah yeah, yeah. he
1: struggles with his control every now and then but he's young mm-hmm. and got really you know sharp stuff that can break out of the zone so it's gonna happen but um he's kind of another one of these success stories he played for a division two college so it's cool to see him succeeding like he is
0: yeah that's good So we're going to take just a very quick break to pay some bills and we will be right back.
1: Okay,
0: cool. And we're back. Oh, we're back. Uh, We're already back. It was a very quick break. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Again, I'm Crystal O'Keefe. We have Andy on the show to talk about the Astros. So now we can go into this series against the White Sox. The White Sox have actually Been doing a little bit better lately. They have won back to back series at this point. We'll see, you know, how they do against the Royals since we are recording a little early. But how do you feel going into this series with, you know, both teams kind of having a pretty slow start?
1: Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, the White Sox are definitely a team that should be playing with some desperation and I think are. I mean, it seems very much so that when Tim Anderson plays, they win. When he doesn't play, they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he's on the field, you know, you can expect to see a more competitive game. I mean, I've, I watch the White Sox all the time. I, I I know the the flaws and non-flaws of their roster. And, you know, they can easily, like they did on Sunday, drop 11 runs against a very good pitcher in Graham Ashcraft, and then they can turn around and drop a zero the next day um Mm -hmm. very confusing frustrating team i'm sure um it's it's just gonna be i think it it's really gonna depend on the pitching matchups um like i said i think jp france is gonna pitch on friday i don't know who's lined up for the Sox, but um jp france that's kind of the unknown quantity i mean he's Mm -hmm. it's his second major league start um who knows what the weather will bring us um i truly don't know (laughs) have not looked that far ahead I will also not be here. Um, but, you know, that's the game that I think, you know, the White Sox can probably circle as we need to take this one. This is the one, I mean, the other two, obviously they want to win too, but that's the one where they can kind of pounce on a guy who's inexperienced, maybe put some pressure on him, get runners on base, make him throw a lot of pitches. Um, so, I mean, that's the one that has the highest potential for weirdness. Um, you got the Hunter Brown start, I believe, on Saturday. Um, he's been pretty good. Um, so we'll see how that goes. The, that one is kind of a, probably a toss up. And then the, the Framber Valdez start, the Astros feel that he is the stopper. He's the guy that they can rely on to get a win or at the very least a quality start. So, mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be incumbent on the White Sox to make sure that they get one of these games on Friday or Saturday against these younger starters before they have to go up against, against Framber. And I know the White Sox rotation has, not been a model of consistency either,
0: no, um,
1: <laughs> but you know the bats are coming around, um, despite the unfortunate injuries. Um, so yeah, I would say I would say Friday and Saturday are your kind of like you know keys to make sure that they can they can win this series. So that's really what it's all about. If you've started yeah. so slow, you can't win 13 or whatever how many games the White Sox are under 500. Can't win 13 games in a weekend, but you can win two. And get yourself mm-hmm. one closer. So,
0: yeah. So you guys will go up Friday. It's it'll be Michael Kopech. Okay. And then he's you know he's hit or miss, but then you get Dylan Cease, who has been you know showing ace like stuff, and then you get Lucas Giolito, who's actually had a really good comeback from just you know weeks ago. So yeah, be an interesting matchup.
1: Yeah, the Kopech the yeah. Kopech France game that screams. Like nine eight what? me. um And that's again, nothing against those pitchers. I just, you know, I see France maybe not finding the zone. Mm-hmm. Kopek is very, very, you know, feast or famine. I feel I just, I'm not looking at his stats, but just from what I've seen. um So if I were a betting man, which I'm definitely not, I would put money <laughs> over on, on Friday. Um, Saturday is an interesting matchup. Cease and uh, Brown. Cease looked incredible in on opening day in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's had some performances that weren't so good uh, after that, but, I mean, I, I can't remember a time when the Astros have hit Cease well. Um, and then, yeah, Giolito's been – he's been a good story this year, although I've also seen the headline that they are trying to get rid of him after this season, which is unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> um but, hey, I mean, he's pitching for a job, so he should be mm-hmm. should be pretty motivated. And, you know, he's got a tough opponent in Framber Valdez. So yeah. that, that last game, good. if I were a betting man on that one, I would hit the under.
0: That's fair. So you said, you know, kind of the keys for the White Sox are to take two. Would you agree that for the Royals – or <laughs> Royals? I was reading something else. Would you say the key for the Astros would also be to take two, or is there another kind of key that you would have for them to – do well in this series.
1: Yeah. I mean, they just need to, they just need to win games. Um, If it, you know, just not get swept at this point. Um, And I mean, I don't, they haven't been this year, Um, but just, you know, they do seem to perform better on the road this year. I don't know if that's just kind of one of those weird quirks. Um, But, you know, I think for them coming off of, you know, two divisional series with the, with the Mariners and the angels, um you know they may be a little bit tired traveling out to the west coast and then all the way here um so I think you know maybe just grinding out the two or you know grinding out one of those first two and then kind of leaning on Fran Valdez to carry you in game three uh would be would be the move um it's really I mean again we're we're speaking a little early can't speak to how the Angels series is going to go um but the good news for the Astros is that for whatever reason and this is, this goes for a lot of other teams too they don't play on Thursdays for like the first nine weeks of the season. Um, pretty strange. Uh, but it is helpful when you have a four-man rotation because you can just skip uh, the fifth starter, who is Brandon Bielak and not very good. Um, you may see him and you probably will see him in this series in some kind of long man capacity. Um, if any of these games get out of hand one way or the other, uh, you will see some Brandon Bielak. Um And he's a Notre Dame product. I don't know if he's from Indiana um but he uh is not anything above a fifth starter so um yeah i mean i would say if brandon bielak is in the game the white Sox are probably going to win that one just because okay. he's sort of the uh the defeat cigar as opposed mm-hmm, to the victory yeah. cigar um but yeah it's just going to be a matter of just splitting those first two with the young starters in the same vein of the white Sox trying to split the first two with the young starters and then leaning on you know bona fide aces and on this in the Sunday game trying to win the series.
0: Yeah. So would you say Valdez is probably the biggest threat to the White Sox for this series?
1: Yes. Um, but the bigger threats are Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez. Um, the the team really is going as they're going nowadays. And again, when they when they come to Chicago, they'll have Michael Brantley and Chaz McCormick back in the lineup, so they won't have as much pressure on them. Um, and who knows, maybe this is the trip that Jose Abreu needs to get his <laughs> mind right. If he's back where he, you know, played for so long. Yeah. Um, but those guys, uh, they hit, uh, third and fifth in the lineup every single day. Um, which is a debatable move by Dusty Baker, but, uh, regardless, they're, they're, they're there every day. Um, they're the ones who are going to get the RBI opportunities. Um, if, you know, it literally over the last few weeks, it seems like if they if the two of them don't combine for four or more RBIs, the offense just doesn't go. Um, so those are the ones you're going to want to look out for with runners on base. Um, they're the ones the Astros are going to lean on to, to drive the drive the ship a little bit. Um, but that dynamic may change by the time mm-hmm. you know, Friday rolls around. You have Michael Brantley maybe hitting in the two hole. You have maybe someone's heated up in Anaheim, maybe Jeremy Pena you know, learns how to take a walk eventually, <laughs> um, probably not, but,
0: yeah.
1: um, and you know, he's another guy who hasn't really performed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's, he's definitely doing more than he, his fair share on defense always. Um, but just needs to kind of rediscover some of that on base skill that he had in the, in the post So yeah, but for the rest of the season, those two young guys, it seems are going to be the the bell cows, so to speak, the guys who are driving in the most runs and the biggest threat in any series, really.
0: That's good. All right. Well, we'll wrap this up with just kind of your thoughts on MLB season as a whole this year, like who you feel like might, you know, make it all the way to the world series or who might just be some underdogs that people are sleeping on. Cause I know we've had a lot of just almost upside down standings recently with teams getting hot that never get hot.
1: Right. I, you know, it's it's such a weird year. And that's kind of part of why I, I can't speak with a ton of certainty about how the Astros are going to perform when they have their their, you know, their lineup back and some of their pitchers. Um, you know, I don't want to say it's the pitch clock, but it kind of is. I think it really levels the playing field. Um, and the, the best example, I mean, again, everyone's dealing with this, so it's not an excuse. But Astros hitters over the last few years have really. Made it a priority to control the tempo of a game. They'll step out of the box. They'll get in the pitcher's head. They'll call time. They'll do all this stuff. Now you can only call time once per at bat. Now you can only do your routine like in a pretty quick manner when there's no one on base. Um, and again, everyone's dealing with this. So it's not like, oh, you know, the Astros are, you know, victimized by this rule. But I think um, at least earlier in the season, I really noticed them that, you know, some of the hitters and some of them still, Alex Bregman mostly looking very uncomfortable with the pace. Um, you know, that's a whole other discussion. I do think it would probably be better to start it at 20 seconds instead of 15. It's probably not – I mean, I love that the games are over faster. I was actually at the 14-inning uh, Cubs game yesterday, and it. I was think it was only like three hours, which is crazy. That's wild. Yeah, but I mean, um, you know – and those are good things. These are good changes for the game. I'm happy that it's going faster. I'm happy that it, watch, it it's, it's easier to watch, you know, for the casual fan. And that person is very important. Um, but it's, it makes this – and something about it just gives the game kind of more – like, you lose that inertia of, like, the, like – I don't know. You know that that moment when you're in, like, Yankee Stadium and the bases are loaded and you're like, oh, my God, they're about to get, like, eight runs – now it, you know, it doesn't help that the Yankees are awful, but regardless, you know, those kind of things that like just sort of feel self-evident about what we all know about baseball and that, like the tension rising and all that stuff, like it's gone. It's like, okay, he's going to pitch again. He's going to pitch again. It's like, it really changes the dynamic of the sport. Um, and that's what led to maybe the pirates going on the run that they did. Although that appears to be over now, which is sad. uh, <laughs> uh you know, maybe it benefits a team like the Rays that plays really fast and has a lot of really athletic guys. Um, you know, I think the Rays have proven that, you know, to answer your question, they, they're the team to beat. Um, when the Astros went in there and took two of three, which everyone forgot immediately in this fan base. Immediately, they forgot that. Um, it, it showed, but regardless, the, the, I mean, they're a really, really good team. Um, they they have the pitching. They have the speed. They have incredible defense. Um And they're honestly the best prepared team to play in this new era, which I really think it is um, for baseball. Um, And it's kind of put up our shut up time for teams like like the Yankees, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and frankly, like the Astros who have kind of grown accustomed to playing a certain way and now kind of have to reshift. I mean, it's been a month, um, but as we spoke about earlier, the ramp up time for any given injury is like aches because it just takes so long to reach like a comfortable level of being able to perform at the major league, you know, major league level. It's hard. So if you add any changes that make it harder, it's like times a thousand. Um, Especially for guys who have been in the league for a long time, like Jose Abreu, for example. Um, So hard to predict, but it makes it more fun. I mean, it, it, it makes it, it makes me more likely to turn on any random game which I would always do but now I'm even more likely to do it because it's just that much more watchable so as I've always said hats off to Rob Manfred he's doing a great job um I got nothing else to say
0: (laughs) (laughs) no that's great um again where can we find you I want to make sure that you know people follow you for some Astros takes especially during this series
1: sure yeah so I will actually be in Greece during this series um so I don't know how much I'll be watching fortunately Um, but you can find me on Twitter at one ear open, all one word. I can only hear in one ear. Um, and I also have a little baseball blog called all blogs go to heaven. I write about Chicago area teams, which may be of interest to this, this audience. Um, the Chicago dogs an independent league team up in Rosemont, um, college teams in the area. And then some of the minor league teams that are within an hour or two driving distance. Um, so all blogs go to heaven.substack.com. Uh, I tweet about that on my account. So if you don't remember that, you can find me at, at one year open.
0: I love the Chicago dogs. So I love that. You, you talk about them. They're, they're just a fun team to they're go so watch. It's
1: so it's $2 beer $2 night. $2. It's like the Ten thing yes. And yeah, it's, it's incredible. I wish they had a Metro that went home from that Rosemont stop other than out,
0: yeah.
1: it's kind of hard to get home. If you're going out from the city. Um, <laughs> but super fun. I highly yeah. recommend everyone listening. If you're in the Chicago area, please go to Chicago dogs game. you will not regret it.
0: Yeah. We just, we just bought a house in the burbs. So we nice. are like 10 minutes away now from from Rosemont. So I was Good like, luck. well, we have to go as much as we can this summer. Duh.
1: Yes, Absolutely.
0: All right. Well, again, thank you, Andy uh, so much and best of luck in the series.
1: Yep. Best of luck to you too.
0: Thanks.